Welcome to Habits and Hope, the podcast that is not about perfection. It is about purposeful progression. We are trading out feelings of discontent, anxiety, fear, and defeat for joy, peace, freedom, and hope. Thank you so much for joining today. And I apologize sincerely if you happen to be one of the loyal listeners that I have had a a little longer than intended break. But let me tell you, um, one, I know last time, like I kept having all these things keeping me from recording the first of this, just like four part series. It couldn't have been longer than four parts so far. It's four. But, um, and so I just like quickly had to record it. I just like didn't even edit it. I just like I have to get this out um, before something else happens. And then um, my daughter had been really sick. I can't even remember honestly enough what I put in the last episode. But bottom line is we happened to have an appointment scheduled uh, three hours away for the specialist that you know, her her specialist referred us to. Um, a specialist that they thought could possibly shed some light on things and on our way there um, she got some pretty terrifying symptoms that um, basically landed her in the hospital for eight days but we ended up because of all those things aligning and because of God's will and the whole thing we ended up at the right hospital that had the right specialist that um, shed some lights on things that we've not understood since all this began in August of 2020. I mean, she had gotten so bad. Um, she was severely malnutritioned because she couldn't keep anything down for weeks. Um, she'd already been in the hospital once and they couldn't figure out what to do for her. Sent us home to find the specialist that we couldn't get into for uh, probably a year and a half until she landed at that hospital, which fast tracked her into it, and everything just like oh, it's just so crazy how it all aligned. But um, she was so bad with tremors and so forth. Um, she was like now suddenly, very suddenly, wheelchair bound. Um, it looked like she was not going to be able to walk across the stage at her graduation. Uh, and honestly, I was, my husband and I were talking on the phone and I was like, I'm scared it's even worse than that because I am really watching her waste away. The doctors just can't seem to get it under control. They've given her every medicine they said they could. And, um, so to make a very long story short, um, we got in with, I had to, I had to fight like heck and pray. We had everybody in there, everybody in the world that we knew pretty much praying and, um, they got her on a little bit different medicines, but the crazy thing is, is one of the medicines she was already on, but the person who had prescribed it wasn't that specialist. They didn't know that it only lasted for four hours. She has to take it periodically throughout the day and, and just these little tiny changes. And oh my goodness, if you could see her now, I think it's been almost two weeks. Maybe it's been full two weeks, I think. And, um, one, she did make it across the stage walking. She did actually, they allowed my, my brother, my son, her brother to help her across the stage. But, um, and, and it's a little scary still going downstairs. Um, the tremors kick in and her muscles just kind of lose a little bit of control, but she made it in, uh, the other day she walked her property and my husband, I almost, cried for joy because oh my goodness the difference and and how much better she's suddenly doing and um so I wanted to come on here I'm telling you it's miraculous how everything happened and and just to tell you that story of hope so I've definitely been going through some things but as always seeing God in this and the funny thing is, is I couldn't record in the hospital oh my goodness if you've ever been in a hospital every noise every beep every interruption it, it that would have never happened But what I could do was work on my notes. And I kind of thought I knew like where I was exactly heading. The last episode we talked about was that we find ourselves stuck in this stagnant water and nothing's moving and nothing's changing and we just kind of don't know how to get out of it. But that 
the it starts with the dam that is causing the stagnant water there's something blocking us from that you know having that water flowing and I was kind of like, okay, how do I break into the next part? Well, like, where do I move next? You're giving this all to God. And it hits me that you got to let go. I mean, it hit me in my ear so strong. Let go. And here's kind of what I picture. So the dam has started to break. And even if you're still chipping away that blockage that we talked about last time, that it doesn't take a lot to get that water to really start flowing again. You don't have to wait for things to be fully fixed, um, for things to start to change. The thing is, you just have to let go. Some of you are clinging on so hard to stay in that stagnant water, even if it's uncomfortable. That's what we talked about last time, that you get comfortable being uncomfortable and the fear of change and the fear of the unknown is enough to keep you somewhere where you're actually really miserable. So it, it doesn't matter that the water is starting to move and, and flow around you. You just won't let go. You won't let things change. And I keep picture that the water is starting to rush and someone's grabbing on like a tree branch or tree trunk and they're holding on for dear life because they're so afraid of what might be past that dam. And I understand you don't know what you're about to go to, but the safety of a cesspool, that cesspool of of stagnant water is a flat out lie. It isn't as safe as it looks. You may fear that it can't get better or you may fear that it could get worse, but that is a lie from the enemy to keep you stuck. So I'm telling you now, just let go. So what are some of these tree branches that, um, and I do mean that metaphorically, that we may be holding on to? So a big one is doubt. It's tough. It's a tough one to get past because a lot of the times, especially when we look at it in a worldly view, like from the way the world would look at it, we can't overcome something until we have proof that it will be okay. But we can't have proof until we step out and test it. And that is why dealing with it only in the worldview is going to be the biggest hill to climb ever. But instead, we're going to come at it with spiritual truth. Some can run off that diving board and cannonball into water without ever testing the feel of the water or the safety, the depth, etc. But some cannot. They have to ease into the water, holding onto the railing and walking slowly down the steps into the pool. But those steps need to be filled with a firm foundation of the word. I was reading The Breath of Prayer by Jennifer Tucker, um, and some of this came from that, and then I expanded on it. Um, It's talking about worth. Psalm 139, 13, 14. You formed my my innermost being. You knit me in my mother's womb. Praise you because I am wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. And Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. And my goodness, if you think about that, you're talking about rejoicing over you with singing. And you you have to remember where you came from and, and that you were carefully selected and knit in your womb. You were wonderfully and and amazingly made and that is all to the glory of him and you know he takes great delight in you I mean that's that's a lot that you are very very special each and every one of you and then knowing where you belong Galatians 2 20 I have been crucified with cross with Christ and I no longer live but Christ lives in me The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Psalms 103, know that Lord is God and he, it is he who made us and we are his, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And that part, of course, makes me think of the parable in Matthew 18 
um, 10 through 14 when he's saying that he would leave the 99 for that one lost sheep so that again is reminding of your worth you belong in that flock you were picked you were chosen and you are special and so knowing those things knowing that he feels that way about you and and how 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 he loves you and and that you have great worth then you can start to trust that the man in charge has good intentions for you and when you come to a place where you feel like you're doubting a purpose in the struggle you have to realize that his plans are so much bigger and his power is so much bigger than that struggle Jesus warns us that there will be troubles and don't fear because he has overcome the world and 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 sometimes that struggle doesn't come from him but it you will come through it with him and um, sometimes that there could be some divine intervention saying hey (laughs) you know I know you're struggling right now with that flow of water but I'm diverting you away from a um, a drop-off. I'm diverting you away from a waterfall. And so either way, with him and his power, you have to realize, um, you know, a couple of them, you know, Psalm 86, 10 through 12 is just talking about, you know, glorifying his name forever. And he's great. He does marvelous deeds and, and that sort of thing. Um, Psalm 4610 reminds us to be still and know that I am God. You know, hey, hold on. Just stop struggling and fighting against it and know that I am God. I'm, I'm bigger than that. I, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And, and, you know, I will use you to glorify me. And, you know, in the end, like... I mean, does what glorifies him when you come through a struggle and you're still be- beaten up or you come through the struggle and you are on the other side of it, just like we were on the other side of my daughter and, and saw victory. When you're victorious, of course, you're going to be victorious with God. Um, it just may not happen in the time frame that you want. But, but it's the victory that brings the glory to God. So he is invested in your victory all the same if hopefully all this makes sense but um don't doubt that he has that in mind think about what would bring him glory he tells you it will happen i will be glorified i will be exalted and in your victory over circumstances is where he really shines (laughs) so believe that he wants these things for you and don't doubt that he can take care of your needs. I mean, I know I just talked about the power, but Psalm 23, 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. John 10, 11 says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He loves you, he cares about you, and he can take care of your needs. Now, sometimes wants don't align with what he wants for you. So we have to recognize that it is his plan and it's higher and better than anything we can possibly imagine. And when you can start to give into that, oh my goodness, the things that you will see, I promise you, doubting your ability to do hard things, remind yourself you're not alone. We just talked about how, you know, that sometimes you have to go through the struggle, but you don't have to go through alone. God is with you. Psalm 46 1 says God is our refuge and strength and ever present help in trouble I don't know I was talking about this several times lately of um and I've had this thought for for a long time especially since Hurricane Katrina of like what do people do when they don't have that ever present help in trouble I I can't tell you how reassuring it is to even just know that I can cry out and um you know, I'm not alone. I, I just don't know how it would be to feel so alone. Philippians 4.13, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Uh, if you're doubting your ability to do the hard things, it's probably because you're relying too much on you. The last, you know, that last part says, you know, if you're, if you're doubting your ability, you're trusting in your own strength. I feel like I'm a very humble person, and and you very much may too, but I am so guilty 
of being independent and relying on myself first and then it's like when things just don't seem to work now I'm going to um, call on God and that's not what he intends for us to do and it's it's a hard pill to swallow but self-reliance is very tightly tied to pride and I don't I don't feel like you know I'm a proud proud person like I said I feel like I'm a very humble person um, and I definitely constantly look at what all God has done in my life but yet and I'm sure a lot of it comes from childhood but having to be very very independent that my first reaction is like well let me try it myself first so you just have to realize that you know self-reliance is super tied to pride and that's where a lot of that desire to do it yourself comes from and that pride was the biggest fault of Lucifer so we all have to keep swallowing that big vitamin H humility even though I never felt like I was trying to seek my own glory a lot of it is a fight for survival for so long because as you don't have to fight any longer I'm here to fight for you not not even just with you before you like you just have to give me that chance I mean again if we think about it says over and over again that it's all for his glory we'll give him the chance for that glory because he's telling you I can do it better I can do it faster you just have to give me the chance and you can't really glorify God when he's not the center part of the plan and he's not the main victor so it may feel counterproductive but the way we really need to fight is on our knees so when that urge comes when that urge starts we have to keep giving it to God giving it to God God you know I want your will in this God this is not about me I can't do this all on my own or I know that you can do it better whatever it is you need to say you keep giving it to God and that's uh, when I say giving it to God I'm like stop trying to take care of everything and pray and uh and and give him room to speak and and read the bible and and seek his word and if you think that it's not a living word that can apply to whatever situation you have try it (laughs) and it, it that's that's where his glory i love to tell about the glory of the things that he shows me that i'll have this circumstance and you're like you know, this is a modern problem. This is not going to be in the Bible. And you open the Bible and it says something exactly that speaks to that situation. And you're like, well, never mind. Now I understand what it means by the living word. So, but one thing that happens when we have a clear direction guided by the Holy Spirit and the confidence that it's God's will is that we don't quit before we reach the peak of the mountain. Have you ever been a little lost hiking and you you know you're pretty sure you turn around and you cannot decide if you're super close to like actually reaching the destination like well maybe we just took a long way but we're really close to it or if we're so far off track that we'd be better off turning around especially like when you only have like limited supplies drink food and daylight um that's a really really tough choice to make like I might be almost there or I might be extremely off course and I might be better off turning all the way back around and it's really frustrating to and that's what it's like trying to do these things completely by yourself so this is where we're going to land when we're not trusting God and we're trusting our own will instead of leaning on his his will for us so when you have something you're trying to overcome whatever that hill is you're trying to climb I urge you to pray constantly have scriptures that apply to it constantly and read his word and seek his will because when it's his word like when you feel confident that you are doing what he wants for you like this is the plans he has for me that why would you turn around because you know it may take a little bit longer but you know you're on the right path and you know you're going to reach that top of the mountain you just have to keep going so it gives us that confidence that we wouldn't have without that
sometimes we also get really clouded by the desires of our own heart. And that can be really tricky because sometimes you think you're hearing God and and you're hearing your own desires, basically. So we've got to really kind of quiet down and come and like let go of whatever we think it should be. And that's tough. But just keep saying it, praying over it, believing it that, you know, it's not about what I want. It's about his will and just work on being earnestly open and willing to accept that doors closing are no, even if it's not what you want. You have to remind yourself that he knows better and he knows the end. He can see the whole map. We only have a even better is when we seek him earlier. The earlier, the better, before our ideas start to form. If you think of a new seed, a sprout, its roots have lots of room to grow and expand, but as it grows, the roots are tightly woven and complex. If we see God after we've already been thinking and deciding for some time, our will is likely to be strongly rooted in our mind, more like an established plant. There isn't a lot of room for his will to be inserted. It's not too late. It's just a little more complicated. He can still do it, but it's just a whole lot easier when that, when we seek him, when the idea is young and new, the roots aren't so developed, there's plenty of room for his will to be inserted. Going the wrong way doesn't mean we always, won't always reach what he has planned for us. So don't constantly worry and panic that you're not hearing him correctly because it's often just a more complicated path to get where he has planned for us. You know, I kind of explained to my son that I'm like, here's God's <laughs> plan for you. And here's this much straighter path if you follow his will. Now, some people don't totally reach that because they insert so much of their own will they never reach that but a lot of times when we are in desire is to do that we don't always make all the right decisions our path just looks a lot less straight it's very crooked and windy and we still get there we just spend a lot more time doing it and we did it the hard way basically so the holy spirit does guide us and it is hard to explain how it works but if you haven't tried it this is how I kind of would suggest proceeding. Number one is prayer. Reflect on all the times he has taken care of you. Thank him for all that he has already done. And then lay down your problem, decision, or whatever at his feet. Pray for his will and your peace in whatever that will is. Also, maybe pray for clear guidance and patience. Rest in the stillness and quiet a bit and give room for him to speak or communicate or or just to fill you with peace just just rest in that number two read the bible and maybe without even trying to look up things i mean sometimes you can like i have anger (laughs) let me look up anger and you can do that but i often find sometimes if i just start reading wherever if you get in the habit i hope of reading the bible all the time you just kind of open it up (laughs) and you start reading and it makes it even more amazing when you stumble across exactly what he wants for you um because i didn't insert any of my will even into finding the right scripture on that but you can you can sometimes earnestly seek that scripture especially like as a baby Christian, a new Christian, you may just want to like, I need to work on forgiveness. So I'm going to go deep dive into all the scripture about forgiveness, but maybe then also spend some time just reading and just let his word work. And then just keep listening to, you know, trustworthy pastors, audio books by authors you trust, read the books, um, other Christian mentors, just kind of, and even Christian music, spend some time in just that praise and worship spirit, um, listening to good Christian music, and, and just kind of fill that space, and, and just give him room to work, and Whether you seek or not, people will often insert their own opinions in your decisions or problems. They can also be even really trusted advisors, mentors, 
and even Christians, but that doesn't always mean that they know God's will. And they may have good intentions. They may care a lot about you, but they don't see, again, that full map that God sees. They still have a limited perspective and they still, unfortunately, we still as humans with best intentions still often underestimate how great God can move things, how great he can do things. So sometimes when your plans are God's plans, it can look a little obscure or maybe even a little crazy or I don't know, it's really ambitious to someone who's looking at from that very logical, I'm a very logical person. So I'm telling you right now, I mean, I I try to encourage people and so forth and, and, and push out that logic and rational side sometimes enough that I can believe, you know, show, I believe, absolutely believe in what God can do. And sometimes they conflict. So, you know, sometimes they're just going to have best intentions, but if you have confirmation that you're doing God's will, you need to trust in that. And, We need to earnestly seek and know his plan and at least the next steps he has for us and lean on that no matter what anyone says. And then that leads me to another area of holding on to branches, and that is caring a lot about other people's opinions. Luckily, I guess part of childhood and growing up in an area that a lot of kids I went to school with drove really nice vehicles, Lexus, BMW. Um, It was the age of IBM and I was in the heart of IBM area in the the research triangle, whatever they called it in in North Carolina. And my parents, we didn't have money for anything. My clothes were thrifted. My shoes often came from like Walmart or Kmart. And I honestly learned to just like own it really own it. If I show that it bothered me, then someone might would pick on that. And for whatever reason, I was so true to who I was. I'm sure maybe it was God's protection, but, um, people were like, Oh, cool. I would get compliments on things sometimes. And they're like, where'd you get that? I'm like, Walmart. (laughs) And this was when it was, that was a a slam for someone to say, you get your clothes from Walmart. Um, and people would like laugh like, Oh, cool. Right on. Well, maybe I need to shop at Walmart. And, um, so I learned to just not care and I'm not saying it never bothers me, but in general, it, it helped by growing up that way. And, you know, if I had let people's opinions um, weigh in, I would not have started my business. Um, I wouldn't have believed that I could do the things that I did. I wouldn't be where I'm at if I had fully put my weight or the weight in on people's opinions. So Proverbs 29, 25 says the fear of man uh, brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. And I just don't think there's a better verse for this circumstances. And if you listen to a few episodes ago, you know, we talked about fear of the Lord is a healthy, reverent respect. It keeps us doing what is righteous. So fear of man keeps us from doing um, things or things keeps us doing things based on man's opinions. But it's really important here to say that, that just doing it isn't just it's not just saying that it's bad. It's not just saying, you know, trusting or fearing man is bad. It says it's a trap. It's a snare. It looks innocent. It is tempting. It seems harmless. And then we have trapped ourselves, not just away from God's will, but even a dangerous place. Galatians 1.10 says, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God, if pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Paul is saying we can't serve Christ, or he can't serve Christ, and be worried about the approval of people. That doesn't mean we need to be purposely harsh or that we need to just like go out and offend people. That's not what it's saying, but we need to act in love with the people while still not worrying about their their approval. We will miss what he has planned for us if we weigh it out against what other people think 
if we make all of our next moves based on what will someone think of this it isn't easy in this world I'm not saying it is but rarely are the things that are really worth it easy and if you read Matthew Mark Luke and John and you read the words of Jesus himself I feel it's one of the best ways to keep that in check for me he he would just speak with love and truth and in this way of this is just the truth I mean if you ever believe some something I mean you 100% eyewitness it and even when it sounded crazy you're like I know this may sound crazy but I saw this I know this is the truth and I believe this to the very depths of my soul so there's nothing you're going to do to convince me to not say that this is truth that's how he spoke and if we have that feeling like that I know I'm doing what is his will I know I'm doing what's right and it's his way it's a lot easier to not care about what other people think one of the other things that we cling on to rather than letting go and moving on is past hurts and I know we've already talked a lot about forgiveness but I know that some of you are going to keep clinging to it and allow that person or whatever hurt you originally to keep hurting you and hurting you long after it it has happened or that they are gone. And I've never mentioned it before. Um, my dad's pastor, but he was not a good man. And I've talked to many in the psychology world and his, generally it's said that his profile very much fits a sociopath and um, narcissist and I know that's become a buzzword but back in the day that that was I mean he's like uh, very like the exact narcissism breakdown I mean, he just has zero empathy it's all about it's very self-serving he's a master manipulator and in some ways I think he's had moments where he's basically been a con artist um, he's a constant gaslighter he's a, a very hot-tempered physically reactive man and um, he would manipulate just about everyone. But routinely, he would kind of have one child that he would pick on that would receive his physical reactions until, like, originally it was my oldest sister, and um, I didn't even know that at the time. It was so weird because, like, sometimes a lot of it was done where it wasn't like the rest of the family necessarily knew. Um, and um, when she went to college, then he would move relentlessly onto the other, and I was the second receiver of his reactions. And just like, for instance, one time I was in the room when he slipped the screwdriver and he hurt himself, and I guess I was slammed um, and held up by my neck against the wall. I hardly remembered it at first until my brother actually reminded me, and then I remembered that's why my friend would not come over to our house anymore because she was terrified of him. Um, he had even gone far as another time choking me until I completely blacked out. And I never knew what would set him off. Um, I would, I would like walk on eggshells trying to keep that bomb from setting off. And there was just often things that had nothing to do with me. So it was, you know, just a really hard place to be as a kid. Well, my second sister, second to the oldest sister, considered herself the protector. Um, the closest she, she ever actually came to receiving like a physical reaction was when he came at her and warned her warned her about when he had choked me. Um, he said, you know, before you talk to her, I just didn't tell you why I had to do it. <laughs> and um, when she didn't agree and said, well, she was a child and, you know, there is no good reason for that. And he reared back with his fist he didn't do anything she says go ahead and do it and I'll call the authorities and he stopped and I mean, I'm not trying to take this into the dark place but this is to give you an example on on, on the differences of holding on to it or giving it to God so that second sister um, the one that defended me but didn't receive any really of the physical abuse spent her whole life entangled in that past. She spent a lot of time going to counseling all the time. <laughs> Alternative therapies. Um, we couldn't get together all the siblings without kind of rehashing all of it. 
and she obsessed about things that he was still doing, guessing his next moves. Um, I also kind of really started to observe and realize, and, and even more so when I look back on her life, was that she really filtered everything and everyone's reactions through the filter of our father. So that basically everyone was journaling out to get her, everyone was trying to manipulate her. I saw her ruin working relationships to the point of being let go. I saw her blow up her marriage. She was filing for divorce um, when she passed away. And at some point, she began, began heavily drinking, and it appeared to be mixing it with some medicines from her psychiatrist that should not have been mixed. There were a lot of factors, but bottom line is she died in 2016 um, from sepsis, and they blamed it at least on... Um, her liver and cirrhosis. However, like the drinking really had only happened in the last few years. So the heavy drinking. Um, so I don't, I don't know, but it kind of feels to me like honestly, the bulk of it is the toxicity of all of it poisoned her in the end. And that may seem really dramatic, but if you just watch how this consumed her, like a lot of people who really turn to like drugs and other things, something like that consumes them. Um, she denied God most of the time, even when she had, um, so she had almost liver failure completely unrelated to alcohol, um, and she almost passed away, I think it was in 2010, and she was down about three days left, and I prayed the most passionate prayer I've ever prayed in my life, and then I went home, or well, went back to the hotel, and the next morning, the doctors at, at the hospital in Duke said they could not believe she was recovering. They just hadn't seen anything like it before. To be that close, she was like number one on the donor list, and she ended up not immediately walking out of there, but she was recovering so fast. Um, they took her off the donor list and not again not like that day but um, but pretty fast they took her off the donor list and and she made a recovery for six years and, and then somewhere in the end of that six years for some reason I don't know if it's the toxicity that happened during that liver mixed with the other stuff but anyway that she started drinking again and um, but I told her about what had happened in 2010 she started reading the bible she started kind of opening her mind more and all these things happened and she just decided towards the end that she couldn't get on board with it um and it was within i think a few months of her saying that that um she passed away and uh, we gotta unpack a whole lot there but um if you look at me on the other hand i did seek counseling for a short time and I just didn't feel like constantly talking about what happened was really healing me or helping me move, move, helping me move on. Um, my healing place really took place in prayer, church, and just working through things that like God would reveal things to me when I just had that open mind and wanted to heal, and and I wanted to just be free of it and move on. <clears throat> I had peace beyond understanding. Um, just like the Bible describes, and you know, it, I just relied on God fully. He provided great people for me to just and with great words, and I can speak about any of those things. I don't feel any kind of trauma. I don't have heightened emotions about it. I don't get mad about it. It just doesn't even trouble my spirit at all. It's just like, yeah, that happened. Like it's truth, but. Um, that's, you know, I guess God's glory is, is that I came out and I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> and when I say I'm healed in that area, I feel like I am really completely healed. It doesn't bring forth any emotions anymore. Um, other than it's sad to me that, you know, it basically affected my sister that way. It affected a lot of us that way. But, um, but her, for some reason, it became like quicksand to her and she just couldn't get out of it. And, um, you know, I, I don't talk to my father still. He technically disowned us um, for basically sticking up for our mom uh, when he left her. And, um, but he doesn't have a spirit of, of reconciliation. He does kind of like want to defend himself every time you talk. It's not ever, even we've never got a real apology from him or anything like that. But, but honestly, like even that, like I've considered um, a few times of just still kind of reaching out. But the problem is I constantly see for everyone that touches his life, it's still constant manipulation. It's unchanged behavior. And it's kind of just based on some of the things that like, he actually wrote a book that 
led it led us to kind of believe there's a safety issue with just even allowing him in. Um, and so, uh, maybe not, maybe less so because he's now in a nursing home. But um, it, I just keep praying to God of that if he wants me to. But um, he he is. I don't want to open a door for wounds to to rehabbing. I'm in such a good place. But whatever God, if he comes with a heart of repentance, whatever God has planned, I'm totally okay with it. Whatever. But um, I just know he's just not a good person until God can, can work in him and fully change who he is. And anyhow, so... Again, not to go to a really dark place, but my point is, one, I, you know, I tried to carefully here. I don't want to say that finding a professional is not going to work for you um, or that it even has to be a Christian counselor or anything like that. Some people, legit, legit, some people legitimately have chemical imbalances and are very dangerous left to their own thoughts and they need some help or start to climb out of the darkness and so forth my biggest point is in my highly unprofessional opinion is that dwelling constantly on the past does not help you let go it keeps you stuck if you need to talk about it talk about it but if all you do is stay on it and rehash it over and over again, I don't think you'll find the ability to let go and move out of that stagnant water. I hope that makes perfectly good sense to you. After I wrote a lot of that stuff, I realized that during, we got family together and some of the family together um, during the weekend of um, my daughter's graduation. And I was kind of rehashing a lot of like what happened when my sister fully passed away. And I remember pausing. My husband kind of said, I've heard all this a million times. <laughs> and I felt kind of bad. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I'm kind of stuck on it, too. And I was like, but I don't have I don't have a feeling of, of, of um, regret. That was the blessing of, of having had that chance with her to really try to help her come back and, and, and be a Christian. Even though she decided to turn it down. And I did everything I felt like I could. Um and and tried to guide her all that I possibly could um I don't have anger I don't have resentment I don't have (laughs) any of those feelings but I'm like why am I still stuck on those things and you know I I realized it had a lot to do with I couldn't understand so much of what happened so much of it was really strange I couldn't wrap my head around it so Um, some of the behaviors and and things I saw and it just left me focused on it too much because my brain was still trying to make sense of it I didn't feel like it was something that I was like unnecessarily holding on to but basically you know even just that feeling of I just don't understand um kept me sometimes going into that and I just needed to just let it go I'm just not gonna understand it and and it is what it is but if we haven't really fully fit hit on this I mean we sort of kind of did with doubt and, and fear and so forth but we feelings themselves are something to let go of and I used to really believe that you couldn't help how you felt feelings were just a product of your circumstances and you're entitled to feel however you felt but over time and seeing others stuck and seeing bad circumstances and everything that happened, you know, like something bad happens to them and they're like, oh, it's just my terrible cursed life. And then they go to this dark place of like, it all started when my mother was an alcoholic and there's nothing I can do. And this is why I'm such an angry person (laughs) or whatever. And I really didn't want to be in that negative space. So it allowed me to realize from watching sometimes other people that I could determine and change how I felt about circumstances. I could decide to let something ruin my day or even find something positive in a bad circumstance and move on. I've said it before, that doesn't mean bad thoughts and feelings do not creep in. I just don't set up a tent there. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10.5, take every thought captive to obey Christ so we can grab a hold of a thought and say, does this fit what Christ would want me to think? And so we either keep it or we trash it. This 
past weekend, there was the message about anger, and I was a little less engaged, to be honest, because I just don't really feel like I have a lot of those angry feelings at all. But he spoke about Ephesians 4.26, about the sun going down while you're still angry. And I had a quick thought of, well, that didn't work so well in my marriage. That I always used to try to, my grandparents used to hound that scripture <laughs> in our heads for some reason, like when they talked about marriage. So I always try to force things to work out before going to bed. And it often would make things worse because the emotions were heightened. And so we, we learned to calm down and talk about it later when things were less heated. And I thought, well, that's one thing. One thing I do know is that God's word is always true. So when you know God's character, this helps you so much. So I said, why didn't that work if God's word is always true? And then I'm not kidding. I mean, this thing hit me. I felt like I got hit on the forehead with a board, a two by four. (laughs) It says in the verse that don't go by while you are angry. It doesn't say go to bed don't go to bed before you deal with what or who made you angry. It just says, don't go to bed while you are angry. Calm down and deal with your feelings. When you do that, you will have more productive conversations. If we go further into verse 27 in Ephesians, it says, don't give the devil a foothold. You are giving your power away to the wrong being. And, you know, if nothing else, you can pray, God, I'm really mad right now. Again, it doesn't mean that someone didn't do something wrong, but again, we can calm down and control and ourselves and come back with a peaceful spirit and, and say, like, let's, this really hurt me, and this is why, and it will always be received a whole lot better, but bottom line is, is those feelings, while they feel like they're not in your control, they are, and we've we got to kind of let go of those feelings. And I would suggest practicing something like this. My reactions are in my control. My feelings don't have to be dictated by outcomes. I am a child of God. Okay, so yeah, this went a little longer again than I intended, but um I felt like there was just so much good stuff here and like I had written a lot of this like I said um, in the hospital and then he showed me a few more things that I was like oh this really really fits it needs to go in there and so sometimes I say sometimes the delays happen because I haven't received everything he wants me to tell you but moving on from there there are some other things that will help you finally let go and get out of that stagnant water so number one change your conversations or thoughts from what if all these negative things happen to the positive what ifs not what if I fail remember you can't fail if you don't quit but what if I succeed what does that look like what if I'm finally free of this burden or problem or addiction or whatever it is what if I finally find peace and joy what if I heal and can help others heal focusing on this and each finger that is tightly gripped on whatever is holding you back finally releases little by little what if I succeed not what if I fail. Number two, gratitude can be one of the most healing and beneficial things you will ever do for yourself. If you have trouble in a relationship, write down one thing daily you are grateful for about them or that whatever they did, if it's life in general, find something to be grateful for every day. That sort of thing. And more importantly, thank God every day in prayer before you come with anything else. Like before you come with like whatever needs you have, start with Thanksgiving. And number three is change all of the routines. So something I kind of started doing lately, my husband made this suggestion of just, just kind of made me ponder a little bit. Like, I don't know why you don't like work later and do other stuff while, you know, you can work while the sun's down. Well, that's just how I've always done it. (laughs) But it made me think and pause 
that I really could look for areas in my routine. It doesn't mean I have to stay with it, but I find that like getting out of that rut means shaking things up completely. So when we're stuck in that rut, you know, we keep going that same path, same path. And so sometimes when we just shake up everything and do like everything different, like, well, I normally do this. And if you catch yourself thinking that or saying that, you know, pause and go, but today, (laughs) today I will do it this way. And just like flip your day all around and just keep mixing it up like the other day I prepped dinner in the morning and I was like oh this is kind of this is kind of awesome <laughs> um like it was all ready to go it made my day actually a lot better but just keep mixing it up no matter how silly or even obsolete that it seems because we have the minorest the most minorest the most minor thing that um it doesn't seem like it's really gonna affect anything but you're like oh that actually did make my day better or just just changed my day um and it changes the mindset basically so I really highly challenge you to really shake things up and I know I've given you a whole heap in this but the bottom line is just keep telling yourself let go whatever is holding you in stagnant water and keeping change from happening let go and trust God and a million times over um, Jeremiah 29:11. that is my verse I will share with you over and over again but I know the plans I have for you says the Lord plans to prosper you and give you hope and a future and when we rest in that know that his plans involve hope and a future and not necessarily prosper per se in putting wealth in your pocket but it is going to benefit you and again the whole purpose is to give him glory and nothing's going to give him glory like your your victory so i hope that encourages you today and i hope that you start loosening that grip and letting go and find victory on the other side if you do please share it with me happens to hope at gmail.com i love to hear from you guys we also have a facebook group it's a little quiet but um all i need is a few bold people to get on there and start talking we've got instagram and tiktok habits and hope find us if you can't find me send me a gmail and i'll reach out one of the best things that you can do to help support the podcast um again this is not a money-making venture my dream is that one day this is a podcast that raises money to help things like um like human trafficking and that sort of stuff but the bottom line is is this is to bring glory to god so the best thing you can do is rate us wherever you listen apple music uh, spotify wherever that may be, rate us, review us, um, share us, and um, that will help have us and hope grow. Thanks for listening, and I will be praying for you. Mm-hmm.